some scary crap. Good morrow, podcast people. How is everyone? Good morrow. What? What is this? What is what? What is this? Shakespearean influence. I don't know. Uh, Well, I've never said that before, so I was like, let's try it. See how it feels. Well, good morrow, people. Good morrow. Welcome to another episode of Scary (laughs) Crit. Um, Mel, apparently we are having another heat wave, or it's just been really hot again, and I'm over it. I'm over it. Yeah, it's been hot and rainy. It's a lot. Oh yeah, it was it was on and off today with the rain. Like, uh, it might. Mm, no, I don't think it will rain again. But yeah, this heat was was too much today. Um, my next door neighbor um, cut my front yard and backyard, and then I had to do you know the raking and the sweeping because um, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll cut it down for you, but I'm not going to clean it up. I'm going to leave you to do that. <laughs> And I said, and I said, just like a man. And he said, yeah, that's what you women do. And I was just like, oh my God, this is how we, this is how we banter. I love him. He's so funny. But, um, so I was out there, um, in my boots and sweatpants because I just didn't want to, there was, you know, all the grass and everything everywhere. And it's, it was, it was like 90 something degrees, but I was out there and I was, um, getting my yard work on and it looks really, it looks a lot better out there now and i think i'm going to spray the front with weed killer in the morning because that garden was just it was doing too much at a minus zone to the point where the delivery people and the mail um person was they were getting a little they're getting their feelings a little bit about it (laughs) so i was like okay let me chop this down um but yeah i was very hot today i was wearing my sunscreen but this melanin was um it was definitely glistening i don't know I don't know how people who work outdoors do it because this is like, <laughs> were you were you out and about this weekend or? I'm still stuck on. I don't know how you people work outside. <laughs> no, I mean no, I mean I don't know how. That people... is like the most southern thing you've ever. Just oh my my goodness! I, I just mm-mm. I just don't know. I how... don't leave my front porch. Oh my goodness. I was just saying, I I don't know how people who work outdoors do it. It's just, it's a lot, you know? Oh my God. Did I break you unintentionally? No, it's fine. It's just, it was funny. It's just like, and there's no breeze. It's just, and since we're over here, it's just humid. It was a lot. I did see a praying mantis though. That was very interesting. Like I just saw like this, I thought it was a leaf, but I'm like, leaves don't move like that. And then I realized what it was. And I was just like, wow, look at that. I didn't even know we had praying mantises out in Jersey. Yeah. It was so green. It was like this really pretty bright leaf green and it blended in with the leaves but then it was like climbing up the banister and then it disappeared it was really cool but yeah i'm ready for it to be september i'm ready for the temperatures to drop i'm ready for my cardigans and the pumpkin flavored coffees and pumpkin flavored coffee is not good period who asked you was that a question i didn't ask you it was a response to your statement, <laughs> an unsolicited response. I will do chai. I will do hazelnut. I will do cinnamon. I don't like pumpkin spice. It's okay. Pumpkin spice should not be coffee. 
I could do pumpkin pie, maybe. Coffee? No, thank you. What do you mean, maybe? Pumpkin pie is not my favorite thing. Oh my God, who are you? Who are you right now? I don't know you. Get out. I'll eat like pumpkin seeds. I've done like roasted pumpkin seeds. Oh my That's God. That's pretty pumpkin good. It sounds so good right now. All that salt. But Ugh. Everything else is iffy. It's iffy. Well, I'll have you know, I'll be in the office in my maxi length cardigan with my pumpkin spice latte, living my best life and my slice of pumpkin pie that I made from scratch. Just relishing in it, knowing that this is something that you don't like. I, send, and I love that for you. I love you, that for you. I'll send you a video to fight you. <laughs> we'll have a hot toddy and a piece of apple pie and be living my best life. <laughs> you can have hot all toddy the at the office. I am calling your boss. Mel is drinking on the job. And she'll have one too. Thanks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Risk management. Get them in here. Oh my goodness, but okay, let's open this Negronom Con and get started. Um, do you want to start? Would you like me to begin? I feel like you should start. You were more um, impassioned about yes, I, all yes, of these yes, things. Yes, I, was. I think, oh wait, so, so before we get into something serious, I do want to say that Harley Quinn has a new season of her comic book, comic book, of her cartoon on HBO, and it's very good if you haven't watched it. I've heard so much, so many things about this show. Um, exactly, Roxy. I haven't indulged just yet. I'm sorry. I'm trying to get around to it. Um, but it's I hear good, good things. It's like the writing is really, really good. It's Ooh, I'm, good. I'm sold. I love good writing. And Batman is like on the peripherals. And I love that. I love that for him. I love that for Harley. It's not about him. Leave Batman alone. Batman doesn't need any more spotlight. He doesn't need any more attention. He is not center stage. Keep him in the wings. Yes. So, so he's kind of just like there sometimes. He pops up every now and then, but only in relation to the plot. Uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon being crazy or uh. Catwoman wanting her bat peen. <laughs> Oh, is he and the, that's it. Oh, is he the dick on call? Good yes. for her. Good, Good for, for her. her. Good for Selena Kyle. I yes, like it. I stand that. Got him on speed dial. Get here now. I love that. Um, for seriousness, though, speaking of Harley Quinn, because it's on the network of HBO Max. Um, for those of you don't, who don't know, HBO Max has been in a lot of controversy in the past week due to developments coming out of, you know, uh, Warner Brothers and Discovery because they had that merger um, a couple months ago and it seems to be going left instead of it being where HBO Max is like number one and like because it really is it has the most influence and stuff it's like the number one streaming network right now it has been for some time but um, David Zaslav who is the new like CEO of Warner Brothers um, Discovery wants to fold HBO Max into Discovery Plus and have that be like the new platform. But now it's been announced that um, there, there's going to be an official merger that will happen for the two streaming services that's going to go live next summer. So summer 2023. But it still doesn't, it doesn't make sense because 
like I said, HBO Max is at the forefront of the streamers. It's like it's it's the front runner. And then for for Zaslav to try to basically he's trying to make fetch happen with Discovery Plus and it's not happening. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. And he's doing so <laughs> and he's doing so in like the most like asinine way. He's laying off like 70% of I think like the creative people because he shut down um Batgirl. He shut down Scoob Holiday Hunt. I don't think that that's right. I think Batgirl got shut down because she didn't test well. I don't think that okay, he came in difference. and shut it down like Scooby-Doo got shut down. Scooby-Doo got shut down. And it was, I think Scooby-Doo Holiday Hunt was was done, or mostly done. And today I just saw a tweet where um, the score, the people who are doing the score, like the composer, they still went in and recorded today because they had already paid for the studio space. So, and I, the director of Scoop Holiday Hunt was heartbroken and just was like completely blindsided for Batgirl. Um, if it failed with the test audiences, that's 90 million down the drain. And this is from the same directors who did, I think it was, who I think they did, they did Miss Marvel. They did Miss Marvel. And then Batgirl is not going to see the light of day. Um, HL Max also has taken off six of their original film films like secretly and silently. Like you can't watch The Witches anymore on the platform. And from what I've read about Zaslav, he's really more about like numbers. He's not, he's more about the bottom dollar. He's not about the people. And that's causing waves in like in those offices and people are scared for their jobs. People are very upset. And it's just like, it really hurts my feelings when you have someone in that, in that position with that amount of power who doesn't care about the creatives and the storytelling. They only care about money. It's this whole conversation about where you all are now calling um, these shows and movies content as in like content creators, like as they do on social media, when it's, when it's extremely two very different things. And since, you know, we're in the age of streaming and that's changed a lot, I think it has had a very adverse effect to where people at the top are only looking at numbers and they're not looking at, um, I don't know, like the, the storytelling, the people aspect of it From all. From a media studies perspective, it is all the same. Because like when you look at a like a streaming platform like Netflix, right? And Netflix has these mobile games on there. They have this interactive, the Bandersnatch episode of Black Mirror. Okay, they did. Yes, and right. Television shows and short form content and feature length content, right? It's all that's the only way to encapsulate everything under one term. It's all content. And so I think it, it has always all been content, but this is now the first time that we have had multiple digital places to where all of this content can coexist. You know what I mean? Because like even in the store, like when you used to go to Blockbuster, all of the DVDs and VHS tapes that they had was all digital. It was physical copies, physical forms of digital content. It was physical. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, but. 
in this day and age, the problem that we're encountering now is, especially with these like originals, um, they really can't be found anywhere else. They're not like um, right, right. Physical like DVDs and Blu-rays and all that. They're not the rage anymore because it's so much easier. You can just log into something at your fingertips and watch it instead of having to go out and buy or order a physical copy and have to put it in the player and just you know it's things are different now and now it's like we are gonna now it's like we're, we 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 are gonna have to go back or we're gonna have to start scrambling to get physical copies of our favorite um movies and tv shows or you know seasons because if they're being taken off of the only places to watch them what are we left to do but it's it's not that because i i looked it up right as you were talking the those films like specifically the witches it's not on HBO anymore, like to watch for free with your HBO subscription, but you can find it like on YouTube for $3 or on um, Apple TV for $3 or on Amazon Prime for $3. So I think the conversation is also about how much things cost. Again, numbers game. What your subscription is getting you versus what you have to pay for and find other places and like and like what is the word um convenience right the reason that hbo max had really become that girl was because it had all of these original television shows and all of these blockbuster movies and all of these original movies that what is the subscription like ten dollars a month for hbo max yeah uh, fourteen ninety nine, I think. Okay, but so for fifteen dollars, you can watch Zack Snyder's Justice entirely League. too long Justice League, um, Euphoria, um, and every other HBO Max original that they had, and Insecure. Like there was a lot of content there that was worth it for a lot of people. That was all encapsulated in one space. So you didn't have to search around between all of these other streaming apps to, to watch what you wanted to watch and you didn't have to pay anything extra. Yeah. It's interesting though, doing some more research, the guy, what, how do you pronounce his name? Zaslov. Zaslov says, according to this article for The Verge, HBO Max has a competitive feature set, but it has had performance and customer issues which regularly struggles to stream when people tune in for big appointment shows like Euphoria and Succession. He went on to claim that Disney Plus has a better tech stack and would become the core of the new service, which would combine the content of HBO Max with the content of Discovery Plus. So he's blaming it on the technological aspects of supporting the streaming service. But did you also see the fact that he wants to... uh allocate a lot of funds to focus on um unscripted content um and that's why reality yes and from from for discovery plus and that's why he is laying off like 70 percent of the um scripted staff and like those creatives over there like it's just i i don't i don't i don't trust him and I just don't, I think that like what he's doing, it, it could cause irreversible damage to the brand the, of HBO that, and um, it's, and it's like 
consumers and subscribers and um, even the people who work there because that's just like that it's like fuck my drag right so we can we can basically move on from him but the last thing I wanted to say which is like a um, another reason why I don't trust him is because he like and I'll read it to you um, as David's and I'm getting this from um, an article or screenshots of an article, but um, as David Slazlaw prepared to take over Warner Brothers Discovery Inc., one of the largest media companies in the world, he told friends in Hollywood that he would hire the best people he could find. Gender and racial diversity, while a factor, would not be his top priority, he said, according to multiple people he told. His methods have resulted in a notable amount of homo um, homogeneity at the top of the new media giant. Given six seats on the new company's board, Zaslav and Discovery appointed a roster of all white male directors. The majority of the chief executive officers' 13 direct reports, many of whom were direct were recent hires, are white men. Meanwhile, Zaslav in April fired Warner Brothers chief Anne Sarnoff, one of the highest-ranking women in Hollywood, without filling her role and replaced Warner Media's heads of communications and finance with white men from Discovery. Um, so how is it that the people at the forefront of these giants who are trying to tell these stories don't look like the people in those stories or the audience that those stories are supposed to connect with? What do you mean? Because if you're talking about like, I I mean, I'm, I'm asking that because the the stories that were being told on there were made when people who looked like them were in charge. So are you asking what's going to happen to those stories now that there's no long now that there's no longer people who look like them at the at the table? I'm just saying like it just not it's not a good look to have it look all the same up there especially when up there is where they make all of these um, network and business-wide decisions like who gets the X and why and just it's just it just reads as very problematic and uncomfortable to me like it's a whole white boys club up there on purpose yeah I feel that I also believe that that's how most places are <sighs> I'm just tired, Mel. I'm just, I'm just very tired, Ooh, as Anita would so say. Yeah, so <laughs> um, but we should really move on because that was longer than I wanted it to be. Uh, did you have anything? Because I have like two more things. Keep it short. Um, so we August fifth was like new release date for so many things. I was overwhelmed. The Sandman on Netflix, Bodies, 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 Prey on Hulu. Um, what was another one? There was like a couple. There was so many things, but I was able to watch. Um, oh, they slash them on on Peacock. Um, I was able to. I have not seen the Sandman yet. I'll probably watch that after this. But I have seen Prey. If you have not seen it, I need you to run your ass over to Hulu and turn it on. It is the best Predator movie in the franchise, hands down. Um, Don't disrespect Arnold Schwarzenegger like that. It is the best Predator movie in the franchise. And he does it again. And he did it again. And I will do Uh, it again. I said what 
I said. Have you not watched? No. So you have no opinion. I do have an opinion, and you will not disrespect Arnold like that. Listen, I got loves. I got love for Arnold. I do. I just don't have it on me right now because Amber Mid Thunder robbed it of me. Like she took it from me. She is. She is the queen girl right now. She did mm. such an amazing job in that film. Um, the Kumanchi um, authenticity representation, like the everything. They even have um, a dub in that language um, that's available on Hulu. But the way they, the way this movie focused on the hunt between both parties, like um, the predator and um, the protagonist, like it was just very, Oh, I just, I, I think because the other ones have always been so focused on like the, the action, especially with number two, with, you know, Danny Glover, it was just like, you know, what are we doing? But That's why this... I'm saying you're not going to sit here and disrespect Arnold like they wasn't going back and forth in the jungle. That's all I'm saying. This, But this was different. It was like, it was very like, I want to say stripped down, but even then it was very intense. And um, the, just everything, the, the setting, the cinematography, um, the fight choreography, the pacing was very well done. Um, the movie doesn't feature... Um, I would say it doesn't feature a ton of dialogue. Um, it's it's mostly focused on, like I said, like the the hunt and like the the competition between these two. It's a very smart script, um, and it's a and it's a really clever concept because you it, we're seeing the predator no longer in modern times. We're way back in like the 1700s, so it's different, and it also. Um, proved with this predator that they evolve through time just like we do um there is a really nifty easter egg at the end that links it to one of the other predator movies i won't spoil it for you but if you guys have not seen prey please watch it this definitely could have been a theatrical release but at the same time i'm glad they didn't because i feel like more people are going to be able to watch this, you know, on the safety and comfort of their own homes. But it was amazing. I, I just, I can't recommend it enough. Like it, it, it snatched me. It was so good. Like we, we saw from the teaser alone, it had potential. And when I say it, like it really delivered. Yeah. So you and Brandon should like sit down and, and watch this after. No, we've been watching the resort. After We're the resort, wow, the ru- <laughs> the rudeness, so rude, um, <laughs> so rude. Uh, they slash. Have you in. watched the resort on Peacock? No, it's very good. It's like this couple, and they're not happy. And this lady stumbles upon a fifteen-year-old mystery, and then just like dives headfirst into trying to figure it out. I have to check it out. Um, it's very like new age. Columbo with like a rom-com I like it and then to keep it short then to keep it short for me uh they slash them was horrible um I that was a waste of my time I did not like it they slash them or is it just no no that's no that's what it is they slash them it's they slash them yeah the original title was Whistler Camp and I know they changed the title to probably like you know give it more oomph but that didn't even work it was just that's not oomph 
it was just it was terrible it was so terrible oh my god i just sashay away and then um Bodies, bodies, bodies. I saw at Lincoln Square, and it was a Q and A with the director and two of the actresses at the end. Um, and the director was saying that she wanted to do a slasher film with no killer, and one that focused on Gen Z, and like it was both a commentary and a critique. And since she comes from a theater background, she really wanted to film it in like with those parameters um which they did with a lot of um wide shots and the fact that even though this film is a comedy when they were filming it it didn't feel like that in the very serious moments it felt like very like somber and like a drama but the way it was edited and everything it it was a comedy on the script too but the way it was shot and filmed they said it felt like they were in a theater production it was very like intense um it was great very smart script um the the acting was you know always like a1 and it was just very um i would say it was subversive but it also was i loved the dialogue the script is just very well done the script was very very well done it doesn't look like it from the trailer it, no, because it, they're because they're like it's like um, buzzwords or terms are throwing it at you to gain your interest. But the way that it actually happens in the movie, it feels very authentic and genuine, as if like you are listening. So it's a to, play. No, no, I'm just saying it was the way. Since the director comes from a theater background, she took like the way that they do theater and like plays and employed it in how they shot this film the way it was edited was like different of course now they did that but the way they shot it and like brought out those raw emotions that was um from her wanting to bring like a to throw like the film production to like a theater environment okay it was very like you have to watch it it was just very it was very well done i can wait till it comes on tv there's just no winning with you is there not not with that because like i i don't know it's i don't know <laughs> anything for you cuz i've been talking so much here no oh, i wow. said what i wanted to say about harley quinn it's such a good it's such a good show dc i can't, i say it every time dc animation is that girl DC Animated Studios is that girl. I really I, wish the rest of it could get it together. I can't but DC argue. Animations never miss. I can't argue with that because um, Young Justice, that's top tier right there. Top tier. Okay, so that was Neganomicon, people. What a long one. Um, now, for our film this week. We are going to talk about um, a cult classic from the mid-2000s. If you've never seen it, I bet you remember the poster for it, though. Um, The Strangers, starring Scott Speedman and Liv Tyler from the year 2007. Wait. The year 2008. It was originally supposed to come out in 2007, but it got delayed a couple times. They were like you know what, we want this to be a summer release, so let's wait until 2008. So they dropped it in 08, and, you know, $9 million budget made around $82 million at the box office. So good, but not, you know, not the, not, not, um, 
not Blumhouse good, <laughs> as we've seen in recent years. But um, this film is a home invasion horror film, you know? Um, and the poster alone drew my interest because it just says, you know, the strangers, but it's a shot of Liv Tyler's character in the house, like in the kitchen, you know, just like staring, like something's off. But then behind her is like this masked man in the background, just, just in her house. And she is completely unaware, but he's right there. And I know that that shot was in the trailer. And then in the film itself, the way it was done was just because it's just, it's quiet. What this film does really well is there's no, I don't think they rely on the musical or um, sound effect accompaniment of like there being the killer or whatever in that space. They usually just come in in like complete silence. There's like no fanfare. There's no warning. It's just like, oh, they're there. And that's scary because that's how it would be in real life where it's just like, they're, they're not going to announce themselves. Either you turn and see them or you just, you're just in the room with them and you don't know it until either it's too late or you just, they leave. But I think that the thing that Brian Bernardino also does well, because we've done another one of his films on the pod, our first winter, we did The Dark and the Wicked. What um, gross. Wow. Cheers to him. But I think that's something that he consistently does very well is is build that tension without He's so good at it coming without having to come to the crescendo of the why there's never yeah. an explanation of things things just ha- like bad things just happen in his in his world <laughs> and it's it is funny. what it is and you deal with it it and is I will what it appreciate is that level of storytelling because you're it, it is what it is and here we are Live or die, it's your choice. <laughs> like the whole tagline or the whole basis of the movie is just like, why are you doing this to us? Because you were home. And that is like the that is like the scariest thing because in horror in this genre, and because there are so many subgenres, like um, you know, supernatural, um, Wow, not me not being able to think of other subgenres, but you know, like supernatural or the Sasha genre. Uh, I would say this falls in the Sasha genre, but usually there's like, there's usually it's like not a-, a slasher. It's it's not a slasher because in the slashers as we know them, th- those specific slashers from the seventies and the eighties, and even like the early nineties, right? Death is related to behavior. And that's where we get this like puritanical view of what you should and shouldn't do to survive the situation. I I don't, this is a whole other like subgenre of of like wrong place, wrong time. Because yes, yes, there there's we go. there's nothing that you can do to change your fate. You yeah, you happen no... to be in the right co- in the wrong coffee shop in the in the wrong part of the day and you got shot in the face. Like that's really <laughs> the only the kind of stringing along that's happening in in this storyline. It's just it's so like what makes this film so effective is how disturbing it is and the fact that these two didn't do anything wrong. Um they're not 
you're not guilty of anything. It's just that the only thing they were guilty of is basically just like living, just being at the house, just minding their business because yeah, it's like a, it's like a, I think you could call it like, like, I don't know what you could call it. Cause it's, it reminds me of like funny games. It reminds yeah. me yeah. of that, that yeah. French movie with the two little boys and the mother that had all that plastic surgery. Good night, mom. No, what was it called? I know yeah, what you. Yeah, good I know night, exactly. mommy. Yes. Oh my god, that ending pissed me the fuck. Oh my god, it made me so angry, Mel. It made me so angry. Oh, <laughs> sorry. You just, you just, you brought me back there. I wasn't. Gonna I opened go there, a wound. I, just... I opened a wound. Oh my but god. But it's it like it's me. all of these films are confined to a house, and well, one like, story house. Let's talk about that. And violent things just happen to the people who inhabit the home. And it's not a it's ghost. Scary. It's not like, yeah. like Hush. It's, Hush it's, is the same way. That's exactly what I was going to say because Hush was just like, she was just at home. And she even tried to like um, barter a haggle with the guy. And she's like, I haven't seen your face. We're cool. You can go. It's fine. Like, he nah, took he took his fam. fucking mask off. And he's like, yep. you see me now. You've seen it now. <laughs> and then with, and the same thing happened to the strangers where, I mean, they were probably going to kill him anyway. But they all they each took their masks off. But I think that was just to show, like, that, again, to reinforce that this is not this is there's no gimmick the, there's no there's no monster there's no ghost there's no demon these are just people and there's no like inbred family like yeah, in oh, the hills have eyes or a uh, wrong turn correct or wrong it's, turn right it's just these are just these are just people just like um the couple were just people these are just people when those masks come off it it does something where and it's the same thing in hush where after you see the person's face, it's like, okay, now I, I see you, you are, you are, you are a human being just like me, but at the same time, you are a different kind, like the, it was very interesting that we did not rural horror or like domestic horror because like last time it was definitely it was definitely domestic i would say i would say it's definitely domestic domestic horror because it takes, you know, it focuses on the house and it focuses on the family and the, yes. and the family as like dynamic and the the how we perceive things to go because even in this right like you perceive that this man should do anything to protect his wife and then you kind of get the breakdown of their whole relationship and and then even the the but i think more interestingly enough whenever it's a group of folks like funny games or like like the strangers where there's more than one intruder you also get to see their quote unquote family dynamic and who's in charge and who's submissive and who does what and, exactly. and how they interact with one another. Even though the man in the mask was like the muscle of the group, I don't think he was the leader. I think that was um pinup girl. Mm-hmm. She to me, she read out she read as the most aggressive and the most sadistic. And um baby doll or baby face, um, she was definitely the the more the more innocent one almost like playful because she was the one who was at the door um she was the one who um was the most she was the only one who spoke to them mm-hmm. so she's like that she's like the 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 mouthpiece for the group like uh not not receptionist but you know what i mean um maybe like the one that they would try to appeal to but there's no but there's no 
I don't think there's to be a, had. Exactly. But, and that, then, what, then why is that the case, right? And cause we, we because we talked about this his, once. Go on. But we talked about this once in grad school about how if you've ever noticed in most AI-based situations, the voice is always a woman. Like when you call a messaging service, it's never like a male automated voice that's like, oh, hi, like, how are you? It's always a female voice. And why is that? And what about hearing the voice of a woman? What does that do to you subconsciously that makes you more trusting? That yeah, exactly. Makes you Comfort, more, trusting, right. uh, nurturing, um, ma- ma- maternal. It's just like, um, right. I, you know, it's like the same thing with uh, GPS directions. Yep. Mo- nine times out of 10, you know the voice is, is a woman or like Siri was always a woman. And then they opened it up to be able to do different voices and different um, accents and the like, but it, it was always initially a woman's voice or a, and also a, a feminine what, sounding voice. And what it means to have femininity in servitude mm-hmm. to be in, to be in of service to, mm-hmm. you know, so with them trying to, because that's who she was talking to when she was like, "Why are you doing this to us?" Or please, you know, saying, please, begging them. But there was, there was no, there was nothing there. And I think, and that's also, I think, what the mask represents is there is no communicating with these people because I think that it became a different type of desperation once you saw that there's no. I mean, they are monsters, but once they take their masks off and you just see that they're different, that they're uh, quote unquote regular people, you're just, you're trying to find anything within them that like, that could realize like, this is wrong. You don't have to do this. And it's just not there. What would have been really nifty is if, even if we couldn't see their full face, if maybe there was a focus on their eyes, like to kind of communicate that there's nothing behind them. If there what if there was anything. What? Like, you know how um in horror movies or even in true crime stories where it's just like um when they focus on psychos and they're saying there was nothing I looked in his eyes, there was nothing. Oh, and they there. were dead. Or or um He didn't have a soul. Yeah, like or like um even in Halloween, Rob Zombie's just like if you look into the abyss, you know, like there's mm-hmm. nothing, there was nothing behind his, there's nothing behind Michael's eyes. So I'm trying to see if like, maybe if they would have, you know, they could have thrown that in there. Like, but I think that would have taken away from it. Right. Because I feel like this the is mystery, is, but not even the mystery, like in the purge, the disconnect, but in the purge, everyone on purge night is a threat. And then the day after you're cleaning blood off of your sidewalk and going back to work. And I feel like that's also kind of the point. It's like you never know who is capable of doing what. And the fact that this was kind of based off of like the the Manson family murders mm-hmm. goes more to that point, right? Like the, you could see these people walking into a Waffle House and they're normal people. Not the Waffle House, Mel. But then, you know. They just wanted a Grand Slam. They just wanted a Grand Slam breakfast. And then the next thing you know, everyone's dead. <laughs> and I think that that lends to the magic of the strangers. Like, because you don't know who the people are or what their motivations are. There is no, there's he's no, crazy, yeah. he's dead inside, he doesn't have a soul. There's, just, just there's nothing. They're just, it's, there's no motive. And that makes it scarier. Just like, why are you, why are you here? What do we do? 
what you do you were want? home the lights were on hello <laughs> it's like and, that, and that's such a subversion because for bertino he got this idea from you know the manson murders but also because when he was a kid um like these random people knocked at his door in the middle of the night um his younger sister answered and they were trying and they were asking for a person who wasn't there and like they left him alone but they came to find out later that they were doing that because they were robbing houses where no one answered you know houses that were vacant and so he took that idea and he did the inverse where if someone is home they get got Mm -hmm. so it just oh my god it just there's just so many like if they never went home that night if they if they went over to a friend's or they decided to stay i think in the city where they were like it did just so many things like they would have been they would have been fine but nope they were they were just at home mind their business and this happens and that is what makes it so scary because it's like the it's like the dark underbelly of human nature and then the fact that you know innocence didn't matter here it was never a factor there's no like morality it's just but there's no morality and there's also no plan you know and not in the way of like halloween where michael just like picks up a knife and starts going like the the point of the masks looking the way that they do was because it should it was supposed to feel like they could have walked into any 7-Eleven or found CVS. some masks in the corner and picked them up, right? Like it or really, Party City. Go, go back, back to, to Party, party City where you belong. Um, it really could have been like like a like a spur of the moment decision to start doing this because you have to think too, like you you take a chance when you knock on a door if someone's gonna answer or not. And then you have to, then it's like another split decision. What do you do if someone answers? What do you do if they don't? And I think that making it so that this is a series of split decisions by the the aggressors in this film is really cool because it also is like, we're all kind of on the edge of our seats because you don't know what's going to happen. Because any, they, at any point they could make a different decision and then you have to go to page 32. And, and what, then they make a different decision and you're back at page five. Like you never know where you're going to end up. And what also made the, the film and the, the horror of the film different and like so sort of sporadic is the fact that it broke down that convention of you're supposed to feel safe in your own house mm-hmm. um, by showing early on that these assailants have full access to the house because how did he even get in for that shot? Mm-hmm. How, did, how did he even get in? And, and the way that um, the tension was built by, I mean, cause we, as the audience, we already knew that they had access to the house before she saw the, um, the smoke alarm on the chair before she realized her phone was missing. We knew that they already been in, but it's, but once the Tyler's character is in on the game, it reaches like a different kind of pitch of, of terror because Mm -hmm. now it's like, okay, now we're all on the same page and this is really bad because I am not safe in here. They could be coming from like in the angle, but at the same time, again, with the Bertino thing, how like he doesn't, we're just, 
we there is no why there is no there was never an explanation of how they got access to the house the way they did and it's not necessary and i love that because and i think that that again we never really get any answers to these to these questions in any of his films and i think that that is an accurate portrayal of the human experience i think that it's very and this is probably the only time I will use this reference in a negative light, like very Scooby-Doo to have it all wrapped up in a bow. You know, like it was, it was um, Mrs. Johnson and she put on this crab costume because she wanted to be, she wanted to take over the beach and control all the hotels, but we stopped her. And I think that that's, that's a very specific way of like having to tell a story that's kind of tied up neatly in a bow at the end for you to take off and and kind of do it if do with it whatever you want. I think a, a more accurate portrayal of how we all live our lives is with all of these unanswered things. And just like trying to figure you, out how to deal with it. And you just deal. <laughs> you just and you deal. and you have to realize that sometimes these these things will not get answered. Because and then honestly, there is no I think closure. that if no, because you you know that the original ending was supposed to be the three intruders like clean up the house, clean up the house, and then they take their masks off. Yeah, and they their put faces on would have been seen. Yep, and they put on their clothes. The, and then the, they the would have like and clothes. Then how it would have ended. That is not a satisfying ending. That to me is the equivalent of seeing the monster in a quiet place. Oh, <laughs> well, it's not. It's not a gut punch to have it be revealed to you. It's just not because it destroys the illusion that has been built throughout the last hour of our lives of this scary, unimaginable thing coming after you. And I think that those masks provide that that separation of that that makes us buy into that belief that these people are untouchable in a way. Uh, you yeah, have murdered yeah, however yeah. many people. We've watched you murder two more, and you're just gonna walk out. You're just gonna like this is it. This is it. <laughs> it's like they're yeah. It's like it. Uh, it's like they're in, invincible. Even though um, Scott Seedman's character had a gun and everything, like it just felt like they were untouchable. Like the way they moved, the way they operated, and especially at the end of the movie when they were tied up like that, and and with. So they well, still- have you you've seen the 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 unrated ending, right? I actually the funny story. I actually just saw that today by accident. I didn't even realize I was watching the unrated version until I'm just like, I was like, wait a minute, where is this the part where the two boys are supposed to come in? What what is she doing getting up? What the phone is ringing? What is happening here? What is going on? And then um, when she because the unrated ending has um, Liv Tyler's character wake up. Um, Scott Sweden's character, um, his friend's phone is ringing and she crawls all the way down to the hallway to it. Um, she gets, she answers it too late because like it on the last, she didn't even get to answer it. He, the guy, the guy in the mask came back and picked the phone up and walked away. Well, he picked it up after it had stopped ringing. Like she had gotten to it right on its final ring. There was no, and she didn't answer it in time, so she was about to call nine one one, and that's when he appeared behind her, took the phone, and walked back out. We still didn't see his face. He didn't hurt her further, thank God. 
but he no, just he took just the left phone. Left her there to die. Yeah, he just took the phone and left. And again, that's just, and it was just more like the way that the they like taunted these two, like by writing "killer" on the window in lipstick, by um, like scaring her at the window, the knocks at the door, like all this stuff, like. It was it was almost it was almost cat and mouse, but I don't know if we can say that because from early from from early on we knew they weren't gonna make it out of here. Yeah. I, th- I think cat and mouse only works is if we still believe there's a chance for the mouse to survive. Yes. And the way that but I think it's I wonder what the term for that though is. When we're in a cat and mouse situation, but the audience knows, but the audience knows more than the people in the film. Mm, exactly. There's cat a and mouse term for that. Yeah, because we don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's a um, term. mouse in a maze. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> just let me have that one. Um. Because <laughs> the because the, the way the film opened up, it opens up with the two, the two boys stumbling upon the aftermath. We don't see, I don't think we see like Liv and Scott's their characters, their their bodies, but we do see like the carnage and the aftermath, and like that we hear the phone call and everything. But we realize, you know, for early on, they're just there. There are there's not. It's not going to be a happy ending, is what I'm trying to say. It's just no. It's not going to be sunshine and rainbows here but a lot of films do that where they start at the ending and then you have to go back to the beginning like x did that i finally watched that um oh what did you think did you like it it was not what i thought it was going to be okay felt because i i also felt that way when i went to go see it a little a couple months ago but i liked it though i think like i'm in the middle you know, I don't know. It was just where you want it, where you want it more, but you're not um, too let down by what you got. But in in to make a tangent to. It was just odd to me how many people got shot. Yeah, yeah, that was a buzzkill for me. Yeah, because that's not how these movies go. Yeah. Slashers don't really involve guns. Not like that. No, not yeah. like that. And it was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Everything else was good, though. So we'll be rolling up to see Pearl in September. Yeah. That All right, then. probably going to be pretty good. All right, then. But back to the strangers. <laughs> so, yeah. This, so this movie opened up with, like, the ending. And then clo- it was, like, bookended by the ending. Um, but what we got in between the two, I would say was just very, it was that for me, the two are a couple of best things about this film was definitely the, the pacing, the tension building and the way that this film used silence. Um, especially that scene where, um, Kristen, that's, that's Liv Tyler's character's name is just in the kitchen, mind her own business. and then the man in the mask slowly comes from the side, you know, from where the front door is out of the shadows and just stands there observing her. He doesn't advance. 
He doesn't make any threatening moves. He's just, he's, he's just, he's just standing there threateningly. How does that line in SpongeBob go? He's just standing there menacingly. Line in SpongeBob. Yeah, he's just, he's just standing there menacingly. Oh, come on. I don't you know. know that. You know that one. Patrick is saying it. He's on the phone, I think, with SpongeBob. Oh, with the creeper? Yeah, he's just. Right when they were looking for the thing, I remember yeah. the episode. I don't remember what he said. He's just standing there menacingly, and that and that's what he's doing. He's just, and Liv is like, uh, com- um, Kristen is completely oblivious, just like, um, smoking a cigarette and like getting stuff from the cabinet. But the thing is, when she was getting stuff from the cabinet, if she if she was angled just a little more to her left, there's no way she would not have seen him in her periphery. I'm just like the fact that he was like. He was right there. And then they did a redux of the same scene. Um, but it was her looking at him and he didn't notice her when he came back in the house. Like he played the piano. She realized somebody was in the house and then he came up, but he was looking to his right and she was over on his left by the kitchen and he did not see her. If she, and she didn't make a, she didn't make a sound. She didn't move. And again, the film used silence in that same scene. Cause there's no, there's no like, you know, sudden crescendo of sound when these things happen. It's just like mm-hmm. they just come in. And I really and I and there have been other movies that have done this. And I just really think that that is so the 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 way that is scarier than like I, I just it's just so because there's nothing to grab onto. That silence is just you. You're just you're just there. You just have to sit in it, you have to deal with it. Yep. And it's just, it's very, and it's very, it can be very, very uncomfortable. Um, and, and horror can be a very uncomfortable genre because it's scary. You're already on edge and they yep. don't give you anything to like cushion the blow. Yeah, it's a lot. But that's why I think it's good psychologically. And it's crazy. This is another film that Roger Ebert was like, it's not good. <laughs> oh my God, Ebert, why? Why, just, why was he like know. this? my god oh like he's just i don't know who hurt him but someone did and it makes me sad because i just don't get it (laughs) you do us like this um and for me like as a there were a lot i mean mel maybe maybe they got in the house because there was one scene early on in the film where the door wasn't already locked. I don't give up again. I will say it from the rooftops every time. I don't give a fuck if you live in the middle of nowhere with the Eustace, Muriel, and Courage. That door better be locked. Wow. Wow. I doubt Courage's door was locked. No, oh, okay. my, no, my boy Courage, he already knew the D. He already knew the deal. Them, them shits were padlocked. You saw the scenes. I mean, they still got in, but he his shit was <laughs> locked, okay? Courage didn't play that. Courage was ADT on that ass, everything. Also, why is it that the phones are always dead in these movies? Do, does nobody because charge the their lines, phones? The phone? No, no one charges their phones. I don't charge my phone. I say that all the time. If I was in a life or death slash situation, I would be the one like, oh my God, no, my phone is dead. Because my phone is always, like right now, look at the battery on my phone. <laughs> Not charged. I've been home all day. <laughs> you are so not dependable. So, all right, we know not, not to rely on you for the don't phone. Don't rely on me. If don't we are trapped me. in the wilderness or something. Because I don't got it. I don't. 
I don't have it. I don't but have yeah, it. her her little flip phone was not charged. But I think that's the other interesting thing. Like, because did you watch the documentary on the Night Stalker? No. I think you should. It's on Netflix. It's really good. Um, because you know who that is, right? Please say yes. Yes. Oh my God, Jared. You watched um, American Horror Story 1984? Oh, that guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a real person. Yeah. And they got his ass in the streets. They realized who he was and grabbed his ass. Right. But uh, blah, blah, blah. Before that, the community, the towns that he was killing people in, nobody locked their doors. So he could get in and out as he pleased because everybody's doors were open. I just, I just, I. Maybe it's who I am as a person. I think it's who you are as a person. I also think it's a black thing, right? Like we lock the doors. But when you are in a suburban community and you believe that you are safe, your door is open. I mean, I lived in like a suburban area growing up and my mom would lock us out the house because she was like, stop running in and out of this house. Yeah, we would be forced to stay outside. Don't have that experience. My God, I just lock your freaking doors, people. But yeah, I was just like, why is this door not locked? So it was that. um, And what I also liked about this movie is with, with it being like a domestic horror film was it operates in like those same you know like those you know cishet um i can't say nuclear family because there was no there were no children but you know it's basically like is his name james yes james is is the the patriarchal figure here and so and that's who she calls when she needed help like I need you to come home. She knocked again. I'm worried. I'm scared. And he comes home. Everything's fine. And you think that with the man now back and the man down in the house and everything like that, you think everything is going to be fine. Everything is not fine, Mel. Everything is still, people are still in danger here. Yeah, that's true. You in danger, girl. Exactly. Like there is no, (laughs) even though, like I said, even though he had that gun, he shot his best friend by accident because he was so scared the way they were able to orchestrate that whole thing and it happening because the man in the mask had the axe and was creeping up behind. He could have killed him at any time, but I really think they were just like, they were like RuPaul with the opera glasses. I can't wait to see how this turns out. (laughs) So he held back on purpose and it worked because James accidentally shot his boy, um, Mike. And, but, and Mike was really the, Mike was their ticket out of there. His car yeah. still worked, even though the window got the windshield got blown in. His car still worked. If like the, I really think, oh, if this is a different type of movie, like they could have definitely escaped with him and drove away, and like it would have been fine. But it was a more and what the strangers also is is like a psychological horror because I think it does a good job of getting in our heads about making us feel paranoid about being in our own homes, being safe in our own homes. I can't, I mean, I bet you so many people when they either saw the trailer or when they saw the film itself were very paranoid when they're at home afterwards. Just like, did you check the, did you check the, did you check the doors? Did you check the windows? Is, are the lights on? Like, are we okay? Yeah. 
Because that's what that's what it makes you feel like. It it just makes you feel like, am I safe here? Right. Right. Um. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I wonder if he's making more movies. You think? I I don't. I wouldn't imagine why he would stop. I mean. Well, you never know. Let's see, Brian. I don't see anything um, upcoming on his Wikipedia, but I I feel like he would still. I feel maybe he's writing stuff. Well, yeah, and the Dark and the Wicked like wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it was two years ago. Yeah. I'm sitting here being ridiculous. Like I want more now. Who am I? Anyway, <laughs> I mean, you're a fan. It's great. It's great to have that that hunger for more stuff from from someone. That means he does. He, he's done his job well. Um, it's interesting too, like the the trajectory his career almost took, because he wasn't supposed to direct this movie. Oh yeah, someone else was, right? Two people, and they both backed out. And I also think that that worked in his favor because it went from Universal Studios to what was it, Rogue Pictures, Rogue Productions. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think being at a smaller place always for for films like this especially for horror films does does it a different type of justice because this you're is not... very this is very intimate too the right. setting the number of people on screen but you like... get the you he was able to get the big money the big universal studios money without the universal studios like puppeteer hands saying that they want this, final decisions and... we want final cut right so he got some, some, they basically said, here, we already bought the script. Here's some money. We'll check back in in a second. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that for him because it really allowed him to figure this out. And I, but I also appreciate like the cast because Liv Tyler hadn't done anything for a in really a couple long time. Years, yeah. We had just had her kid and she was like taking a break and she's like super method. So she was like, I really want to be in it and I want to be scared, like, which I appreciate. I appreciate someone she jumping thought, fully into the bo- to the deep end of this pool. He had, he had her specifically in mind for the role. And once she read the script, she was like, okay, I want to do this. I want to, this is what I want to do. Like she got, uh, what, what she, was it tonsillitis? Because yes, she was screaming, screaming so much. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Her poor throat. Um, no, you better suffer for this art. Suffer for it. No, and she wanted to because she even Bleed said for it. She even said to the actress who plays um, Pinup Girl, "I do not want to see you in your mask before it's time. Do not show me you. Do not show me until we are on set shooting the scene." And the first time, because she wanted her reaction to be real, and so the first time she saw her when they were shooting, um, it was that scene where they're. Um, in front of the shed and she's like crawling away. And so she finally sees pinup girl, like in full costume and the actress like rushes at her. (laughs) And so Liv is like screaming and like kicking at her and stuff. It's just, it's hilarious to know, like Liv was so, was so down with it all. She was like, I'm with the shits. Let's do this. Let's go. What, what is WME? I think that's her talent agency. Oh, well, Brian signed with them. Oh, Bertino? Yeah, in July. Oh, good. Week. Okay, so that, that means he's not done yet. Oh, uh, yeah, well. You know what I would like to see from him? If, if I would like to see him go into TV. Give us... Uh, I don't want that. 
give us this kind of no tension and suspense in television form. No. Give us the the because you were home and the dark and wicked energy on TV. Give me like an eight episode limited series. I think you could turn it out. I believe in him. Like Midnight Mass, kind of. You know? Midnight Mass was terrible. Midnight Mass was terrible. What? What did you just say to me? What? What did you just say to me? Midnight Mass is what I. I'm terrible. T e r r i b l e. Terrible. If I never hear another monologue in my life, it will be too soon. Awful. Burning alive in a in a in a canoe. I don't care. Homegirl was had a baby. Then I don't care about any of it. I don't care about any of it. You found a demon in a in a in a hole in a different country and smuggled. I don't know how he smuggled it back into the United States. I don't know what type of customs was happening to his life. And then you turn a whole entire town into Christian zombies. Or I'm sorry, not zombies. Christian vampires, and then they all die. I but the priest you... is hot. The priest is hot, though. Come on, you can't forget that. Mel, I I want you to know that I'm lacing up my black Air Force Ones. You have don't, hey, I got don't, you have black Air Force Ones. No. And I'm going to I'm gonna come down to where you are and I'm gonna stump a mud hole in your face because that is that is blasphemy what you just said to me you right now try it. I don't like it I did not enjoy Midnight Mass on Netflix Brandon and Roxy are gonna have to hold me back because the rage in my soul for you right now um, and you say the priest was hot I think um Wow, I did not know his name, but the the other male lead, I thought he was very attractive. The one who the, died in the canoe? Yes, the one who died in the canoe. Exactly. <laughs> so enough. Wow. <laughs> I just I am wow. I know I know we I know we like agree to disagree on a lot of stuff, but I wow. And I, I bet you but I feel like you've said this before, but it just it caught me off guard though, because I just Midnight Mass did such a well job and like mike flanagan is so talented it, like his storytelling skills are another level because how he can do that much in eight episodes and it never felt like it was too much or too little like it just was ugh. i wholeheartedly disagree those monologues were so long they're so people don't talk like that it was so long. Why are you still talking to me? <laughs> and then that whole moment where she was talking about her her husband or the boyfriend or the mom or whatever it was she was talking about on that couch. I, I had to watch that scene like four times because I kept zoning out and I forgot what she said. Jesus help me, God. So we want to hear from the viewers. Do you vote that Midnight Mass was great? Dial Jared at this number. <laughs> or do you believe that Midnight Mass sucked? Dial Mel at this number. And we will have your results ready 
on next week's episode. But for real, we should do a poll of stories because we'll I want to know. Because it was. I want to know good. what the people think. Because the haunting on Hill House, superb. Bly Manor, wonderful. Midnight Mass, hot doo doo garbage. Oh my god! But we got off topic. Um, any anything le- else for the for the strangers though? Why is it a classic for you? We didn't talk about that. Oh yeah, that's our big question this season. Um, I mean, I said it throughout this episode because you were home. Like that is terrifying to me to know that you know you can do all you can to be secure at at your place of safety, and it can just be upended. But also, you can be you could just be a completely innocent person minding your own freaking business, and then again in your place of of your dominion, your place of safety, and this random violence just happens to you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's just it was just very very frightening and scary to me and that there again there was no appealing to their morality or what there was just our our humaneness um our humanity it just there was no it, it was just there was there was nothing there for the, there was no saving them so it was just very frightening to me because it's it's at the end it's just like uh, there there was no reprieve there was no uh payoff there was no rescue there was no hero like there was just mm-hmm. that's it you know and th- and that and that scared me yeah i don't rem- i think it's that that age old adage of they may not remember you but they'll remember how you made them feel mm-hmm. i don't remember the first time i ever watched this movie Mm-hmm. same I don't either but but every single to this day every single time I do watch it afterwards I'm du- I'm double and chip triple checking my locks my windows I'm doing like 360s as I'm walking around to make sure I'm not being followed like it in it instills in you this this deep-seated dread that I, it takes me a couple of days to like shake off every time like this this the strangers i think is a master class in cinematography because mm-hmm. i appreciate that all of the it's not it, none of it is on a tripod everything is hand cam it just sits there but so but it, if i don't know if you've ever noticed it but you can look and sometimes it'll just move just a little bit right because it's it's not supposed to be this like marvel beautiful thing it's supposed to be we're in this moment and i think that that kind of helps to translate like i said very intimate kind of storytelling and they and they and and that's how they communicate it visually right and so it's just up and down all the way around solid solid horror film and i think that it this is you know how everybody has like their lists this is on like the 10 films everyone should watch at least once. Yeah. Like, horror or not. Like this is just you need to watch it. This is very well done. Yeah. So whatever and... Brian does next, like we'll be on the lookout for. Because the dark and the wicked, oh my God. I will never forget watching that and freaking out in the dark by myself. <laughs> hey, hey, Mel, one word. Chop. <laughs> Yo, I was looking back the at, chop. at our old um, episodes. 
but no, like the old promos we did, and I forgot that we it was like a cutting board with a knife. I was like, oh, that was that was good. <laughs> um, but yeah, Brian, yeah, Brian Bertino hasn't let us down yet. I feel that for me, I feel like he's right up there with Dan Trachenberg. That's the same person who did Prey. Um, and he's also the same person who did Tin Cloverfield Lane. And I'm just like, I trust, I trust him. You know, I trust, I trust Brian. I trust Dan. They're consistent. They haven't let me yeah. down. Yeah. They know, they know what they're doing and they both have um, very like unique signatures when it comes to, when it comes to storytelling, like they just, they just get it or they have their own way where they get it. And then the way they're able to communicate to that, that to us, I just, mm-hmm. I really, I really appreciate. So I, I don't know what um, Bertino has in the chamber next, but I, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Okay, Mel, uh, final curls, any final curls for you? Well, hold on. We actually do have one that we've been delaying for some time but our other intern is here and we would love to introduce her to y'all so a few weeks ago y'all met andrew who is our production intern and we are so happy to finally introduce to you michaela who is our comms intern michaela hi yo that's me hi um so yeah she has been a wonderful asset to our little team. Yay, we have a team. Um, so tell the the podcast people at home a little bit about yourself. I think we asked Andrew what who are his you favorite who are you, where you come from, uh, what's your favorite horror movie, and how did you find us? Yeah, oh yeah, those things. Um, well, my name is Michaela. Um, I'm from North Carolina. I'm like a recently graduated digital artist person so that's basically what I do um and I basically found scary crit through just job hunting basically um and it was I was saw it on like indeed and I was like "Ooh, this is my thing this is what I do like (laughs) this is like 90 percent of my interests are like horror or horror related so I'm like yeah that makes sense objectively for me to apply it and so that's how I'm here um and as far as my favorite horror movie like that's a terrible question for me because it could literally be anything um Mm -hmm. but I think yeah the one I usually go with is the craft Mm -hmm. it's like a it's a very soft spot in my heart (laughs) so it's like my comfort movie (laughs) it's a good one I can feel him in me you know (laughs) I just I yeah. love the crap. Did you watch the reboot on Hulu? Oh, I did not. Like I I personally I saw like videos about it, oh, but I was just legacy? like Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was just like uh, No, really. It was like a maybe a reboot sequel, maybe yeah. a little bit. It we actually still wasn't I don't want to acknowledge it. It I mean, yeah. okay, it doesn't it does not touch the hymn of the original at all, but it did it did some good things there it was it was um i actually did enjoy it it was it was better than i expected but it was it was still missing it was missing like that that je ne sais quoi that made the original so you know but i don't i think you can only get that in the 90s i don't know yeah don't that's know. the thing i was like 
it's so out of the time period that made the original so good that I'm like, how could you even get the vibes correct? Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel like most people feel about that the way they felt about the new Suspiria. It's like, we don't, we don't talk about it. (laughs) We just don't talk about it. I actually really like the new Suspiria actually. Cause I really? like both I of them. Oh, I refuse to watch it. <laughs> oh, you haven't even watched it. So you can't even have an opinion. I can't have an opinion. They're just so like the thing about the new Suspiria is that they're just so wildly different movies <laughs> to the yeah, point where I'm like, they're basically just like, yeah. And I was like, they're two different kinds of things. It's just the title slapped on there. Basically. Yeah. Yay, we're fi- we're happy that we finally get to introduce you to the people. Very, so, very happy. Um, we've gone from a team of two to a team of four. We've doubled. Yes. Daily double. <laughs> Daily double. <laughs> For my Jeopardy people out there, whoever, you know. Uh, what a time. I have not watched that show in such a long time. It's a staple in my household. Um But yes, Michaela, we are so happy to have you here as well as Andrew. And we think you guys have been doing a really good job so far. Michaela is the person who has been doing a majority of our social media posts. So I hope you guys have been enjoying those. Um, And she also does the newsletter for us. And she's working on a new cover for the podcast episodes. So all of that stuff will be coming soon so look at all the upgrades we're we're doing it pimp my podcast woo no exhibit is found here though wow you know wow you know not okay (laughs) so on that note (laughs) thank you for listening to this episode and we will see you in the future podcast people we'll see you bye (laughs) 